All right, Cody. So this is kind of a, a continuation from last episode. Um, I think you and I got a little passionate, let's call it, about you know the the problems that we've seen through our research and uh, prescription drug misuse and abuse. Yeah. Um, so do you want to maybe clarify what exactly we're going to talk about? Anything more? Yeah. So I think we uh, left everybody off kind of like a cliffhanger last time, saying that you know we were blaming the pharmacy companies for you know the cost of drugs a little bit, but then also saying that there's maybe not really a great answer. But we were kind of going down a, a path towards prescription drug use in America. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, we, so maybe I think a little lack of ownership saying, hey, do we actually need all these drugs? I yeah. understand that there's a, a healthcare problem. And we, we highlighted a few different issues that we could definitely do better. But also, I think this episode is a little bit more so on the ownership piece. Yeah. On saying, you know, hey, what actually drugs are being prescribed? What yeah. are actually drugs are being misused? Um, and how we can go from there, right? Yeah, I think this... Um, this is almost going to be eye-opening to a lot of our listeners. As, as I was researching for this one, um, I don't know about for you, Jared, but uh, the amount of sheer prescriptions prescribed is astronomically larger than I had initially thought or even realized. Um, so just to kind of throw out some numbers here, and, and you can, of course, you know, comment on some of them, but let's kind of go through some background. Really crazy, about 50% of Americans have some type of pre- prescription in the last 30 days. Did yeah, you see that's that? Crazy. Yeah, I did see that. 48.7%. Yeah, I believe that was on, what it is, is like drugabuse.gov or .org, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and CDC too. Yeah. CDC also, yeah, 48.7% of Americans are currently in the last 30 days had some type of prescription current use, which is just, ups- just uh, that's a lot of people that are, are on using some type of prescription drug. And then from... Another idea that was kind of weird is is how do we know these drugs are being used appropriately? If there's that many people using them, I was kind of looking into the abuse portion. It says about 50 people die every single day. Yeah, I did see that actually. 50 people die every single day from an overdose, misuse, or something, which is actually higher now than car crash fatalities. So, so this is a big this is a big problem. Yeah, it's a problem that's really not getting a lot of press. Yeah. Um, no one know. I don't think anybody really knows that this is a big issue. I don't know about Other you, but it, it, it's not like I could just type into Google and, and out popped 10 different results. I mean, you did, you did dig deep. Yeah. Yeah. To, to get credible, legitimate data. Yep. Um, my, my issue, man, was, you know, and I know, look, I don't necessarily know if I believe in gateway drugs or gate, gateway crimes, right? I, I think everything that you do is a choice. Yeah. But, you know... Correlation doesn't necessarily always always mean causation. I understand that, but you know the 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 data is is there, and and I want to actually hammer home on this opioid. Yeah, eighty percent of heroin users first started, started abusing opioids. Yeah, that, that they got you know perfectly legal. Yeah. They had maybe shoulder surgery, back surgery, some some sort of legitimate ailment potentially. Right, eighty percent went on to use eighty. I'm sorry. Let's let's get this data point right. Eighty percent of current heroin users first started misabusing opioids. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, the opioid. Um, so the drugs that I think I really started kind of down the rabbit hole when I was researching, one, of course, was opioids, you know, painkiller type drugs. It's one of the top three drugs prescribed by your, you know, your local physician. Yep. So if you go to physician and you're a, a, an adult, you're going to be prescribed one of these three drugs more than likely. It's, it's going to be some type of painkiller for chronic pain of some sort. This is, you know, the back injury from college or or your shoulders hurting because you, uh, you know, maybe go to the gym. The second one would be um, what, what, lipid lowering uh, drugs, which are for high cholesterol. Um, we're going to talk about maybe seniors a little bit and how this is uh, highly used in that community. And then the third one, which I don't know if this gets your blood boiling a little I bit. I know what you're about to say. Antidepressants. Yep. Antidepressants are the third most commonly prescribed um, drug out of the three. And we're not going into, you know, literally the drug. So we're not going to talk about each specific drug, but we're just talking about groups of drugs, of course. So we got painkillers, um, high cholesterol type drugs, uh, called lipid lowering, um, and then antidepressants. So anyways, uh, if you're going to your doctor, those are the three things that you're going to be looking at. So let maybe we talk about each one of those right now, kind of break down who's getting those, why they're maybe getting them. I don't know if you want to tackle one of those three. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about the the most common one. I believe what is it? Oh, has it pronounced like Lipitor? Yeah, Lipitor. Yeah, Lipitor. Um, so that is the number one most prescribed drug. Yeah, and it's for cholesterol. 
Uh-huh. And I believe, now granted, you know, as with many of these issues, whenever we start going on our little, you know, hard positions, we are trying to talk about the masses here. We understand that there are horrible, horrible cases where unfortunately there are people just get dealt a crappy hand and they are truly in need of it, in need of it dependent yeah. on this drug because their body just doesn't function properly. Yep. But I feel like the vast majority of people would obviously understand usually high cholesterol can easily be remedied and fixed through proper diet and exercise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, kind of how we teed up this podcast at first is, or I guess how we kind of concluded last time and, you know, start and ramp back up is it's, it's really on us. Personal Look yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Hey, do I actually need this? Right. You know, it's funny. Libitor, Crestor, all of the, uh, high cholesterol drugs, almost every single one of them say that the drug should be used with a healthy diet and regular exercise. Mm-hmm. And it almost makes me feel like during these studies that they had people that were doing regular exercise and proper diet and they saw their cholesterol go down. Well, well that's how you can get like kind of almost skewed numbers in clinical yes, clinical exactly. research, right? I forget yeah. the exact verbiage that you can use, but it, it, it's something like in a clinical study, I believe is, is that yeah. the vernacular that they use or that syntax rather in order to allow it to, you know, get the necessary approval and show the actually fantastic results. And we know because we researched, I forget which one we've done, but... Um, we found out that a vast majority of Americans are not doing regular exercise yeah. and also eating. That was a healthcare healthy. crisis. Yeah. yeah and yeah. properly eating. And so people that are taking these Lipitor type drugs to lower their cholesterol and they're not actually doing the exercise, you could see how this could be a long-term issue, right? If you're taking that drug, it's probably for short-term probably cases, but I, I think, I don't know if you saw, most of these drugs are actually long-term. I think eight of 10 Americans in most studies state that they've been using one of those three drugs long-term. So if you are using an antidepressant, uh, a high cholesterol type medication, or a, a pain reliever of some sort, they're con- it's long-term. And none of those yeah. were designed as long-term fixes. Yeah. I mean, that's actually how they originally got their uh, approval yeah. is because it, it, it was short-term and, uh, and more importantly, it was supposed to uh, not be addictive. <laughs> Uh, boy, were they wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the opioid wins the craziest. Part. Oh my gosh. Non-addictive. Yeah. yeah it was, uh, that's how it was originally positioned. Oh no, 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 this is an addictive substance. Dude. Um, speaking of opioids, man, this, this is something that actually is kind of, um, so a, as you know, I've had several surgeries, you know, from my playing days, right? Yeah. And, and I know you and I have talked about this obviously off air. Um, cause you yourself have had quite a few injuries in, in playing sports and yeah. skiing and stuff. Um, I don't like the way painkillers make me feel. I don't understand how people can get addicted to a man. It's odd. You feel unproductive as heck. You're cloudy. You're heck. I want to go to sleep. I, I, I hate them, man. Yeah. I don't understand how it's addictive. And, and you know, what's actually really interesting is honestly, some of these statistics that I saw, I almost had to laugh to myself. How in the world you quantify some of these things. And, and, and what I mean by that. Yeah. Give it to me. So the CDC actually uh, projected that the economic burden or, you know, I guess they said, you know, from a, what is it? The, the cost in healthcare, I get that lost productivity. That oh, one, yeah. that one was kind of a head scratcher, uh, addiction treatment, obviously, and uh, cost, criminal yeah. justice involvement, $78 billion to the U S economy every year. Yep. By using prescription drugs, by, by misusing, not just prescription, just opioids, just opioids. opioids. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? We well, got to imagine. So I show up at work, right? And I'm taking an opioid. And what was what was one of the things that you said that you felt? Oh, slow? cloudy, slow, yeah. so sleepy. Right away, your your eight hour date is turned into a five hour actual productivity day. So you can see the loss of productivity there yep. could be massive. Um, but you, you know, it's actually kind of weird. And whenever we really start trying to peel back some of these these not so talked about issues, you know, whether it was a healthcare crisis, because I remember that one. That one was a big. I can't remember the exact data point, but maybe you can. As far as the loss of productivity. Mm. that we're experiencing. Oh, it's hundreds of billions. Isn't that I wild though? Whenever we start compounding the last of pro- productivity, you know, whenever unhealthy people are in the office, now these opioids, opioids, oh, why can I talk? Yeah. Opi- this is first beer. Yeah. <laughs> opioids. Um, isn't it kind of wild? You know, once we start granted, I still do think, you know, that infrastructure bill at 3.5 trillion with all the different line items is, is absurd, but isn't it a little wild whenever we start talking about all the loss of productivity that we're getting from an economic output? Yeah. Due to our own misbehavior and bad behavior, right? Um, pretty, pretty interesting to just talk about. If we actually just looked ourselves in the mirror a little bit more, I think we'd be a, a heck of a lot further along. But I know. Um, actually, before we get down too much into it, because I think we're about a, a half a beer now, I don't think we actually introduced the beer. 
Oh, you're right. Yeah, go yep. for it. So that's on me. Yeah. Um. So guys, this was actually my choice today. This was uh. I don't know how to pronounce that. El- Elysian. 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 Uh, Space Dust IPA. Sorry, guys. Elysian. Yeah. yeah oops. Uh, I guess Here we blew that sponsorship. Um. Yeah. Brewed and canned by, of course, Elysian Brewing Company. Yeah. Messed that up. Out of Seattle, Washington. Um, yeah, so of course, you know, right when we crack that second beer open, Cody and I were going to give you a, a rating, but, uh, yeah. my bad guys, we didn't, we didn't properly introduce that one. No. So, um, one of the, one of the things I'm going to talk about during my, my kind of, you know, how to fix this six, section is, uh, the doctor prescriptions. So I don't know if you came across this, this was actually a bit of digging. Um, take a guess on how many, what is the percentage of doctor visits that result in a prescription? So if I go to, this is interesting. So if I go to the doctor, I'm going to go high. So if I go to the doctor, um, and I'm saying, Hey, my knee is bothering me or, Hey, you know, I'm not feeling too good. Whatever it may be. I go to my family doctor. What are the chances that I'm going to walk out of there with a prescription? Dude, I got to go real high. I'm going to say probably 70. Dude, you're right on. Really? 68.7. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, So two in three adults that go to the doctor will get, walk out with a prescription. That's wild. Yeah. And. I just don't feel like that prescription is actually going to probably do stuff majority of the time. What do you think? Yeah, man. Um, I actually got to look, our human bodies are freaking unreal with, with what we can overcome. Oh yeah. You know, just a simple shift in mindset. You know, one of my favorite, favorite sayings is whether you think you can or can't, you're right. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's just wild. So, and there's a reason why the placebo effect has to be studied with every single drug because of how powerful our minds are. Our, our human minds are and it right. Wins in most so studies, so placebo. with that, man. I, I really think the the doctors what they probably want to say honestly is like, hey, honestly, you're overweight, and I think your prescription. Let, let's use the the same uh, vernacular there. Your prescription is go to the gym and eat a salad. So that's what I was you wondering. Know? Yeah, I was thinking. Do are we blaming the doctor for prescribing it, or should we say, hey? Maybe the doctors have been kind of forced into a position where they can't be honest with their patients. Where we're just like what you said, Jerry Jones shows up in my office. Let's say you are 50 pounds overweight. Let's say, you know, you walked in and you're eating something that's unhealthy, you know. Yep. Got a bag of chips. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you sit down and say, hey, man, um, you know, you do your blood pressure, you do everything. And hey, man, it looks like your blood pressure is going up. Um, it looks like you might have high cholesterol. We do blood work, blah, blah, blah. The easiest thing is me saying, hey, man, drop 50 pounds, uh, drop the bag of chips because they're high in saturated fat, and you know, come back to me in six months, and let's do this again instead of saying, hey, here is Lipitor. So I get where you're going, and the, you know, the, the idealist, I guess, if you want to say, yeah. in me is like, oh, man, Cody, you're, that's groundbreaking, but, but think about it. Does any person that lights up a cigarette or opens a bag of chips or chews tobacco or eat at McDonald's, does any person... Any logical person think like, yep, this is healthy. You know, so you're consciously, repeatedly making these these poor decisions. Do you think they really care? Or do you think they just want the quick fix? Because they're getting that quick fix with the bag of high with that sugar and salt rush. Yeah. So you think they just want to pop a pill or do you think they actually want to change their diet? So yeah. to answer your question, I, I, I think I want you to be onto something there. Yeah. But I can't blame the doctors. The doctors are treating their patient because they clearly know, look, these, these piss poor behaviors I can only mildly cap them with a Lipitor or another like drug. So yeah, but, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk. I don't about, blame the doctors. No, no, no. We'll go, we'll go into a little deeper during my section because I think I want to talk about the doctors and, and what their role is in this. Man, I'm, I'm anxious for that. Then yeah, I do want to go down. So a couple more, couple more, just uh, maybe background it. things that I want to go through. Um, so top drugs by age. I don't know if you came. Oh, across. I did. This is pretty interesting stuff. So young kids. I think this is from zero to eleven. Yep. Um, I didn't even think about this. I was thinking, of course, none of these zero to 11 year old kids are taking drugs. I wish I would have read that. Yeah. But, and this one actually kind of makes sense a little bit. Um, Bronchial dilators, which are for asthma. So, you know, your little asthma, what are they called? Uh, Inhalers. Inhalers. Yep. So that is the number one drug used from zero to 11, which is unfortunate. um, But I think some of those things are just uh, based on your, where you live, allergies, things like that almost, right? You're kind of bored. Potential lack of activity too. Yeah. With uh, sports induced asthma, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. still, that's one that's kind of an odd one. It's definitely not a self induced. 
in most cases. In Envir- most. It's environmental part okay. probably. Right. I'm going to say Let's that. go there. Yeah. Let's go there. Next one is teens. So I think this was like 11 to 19 year olds. Yep. This one blew my mind. The number one drug used in that category is central nervous, nervous system, system stimulants. Yep. And yes, that sounds crazy. Those are drugs like Adderall and Ritalin. Yep. Primarily for the diagnosis of ADHD, ADHD, ADD, ADD um, anxiety to some extent, which is, it blew my mind that those from 11 to 19 year olds, they're already getting prescribed probably one of the top like addictive drugs out there and also a stimulant, which is like cocaine pretty much or methamphetamine. Well, what's, what's crazy is the, I don't really see the correlation between it. Cause I believe it was zero to 11, 12 to 19. Cause I did read this article. Yeah. I don't really see a correlation between the inhaler no, to, no, to no, this, no. but I do see a correlation to what you're about to share. Yes. So we move into the next largest category. 20 to 59, if I remember. Yeah, which yeah. I'm going to call just an adult. Okay. Right? So uh, my adult category, the highest use of drug, <sighs> highest category is yeah. antidepressants. So you mean to tell me getting diagnosed with something immediately whenever you can't really focus at, let's say, 13 years old? When your hormones are raging? Isn't, isn't a good thing to just throw a drug at them and then all of a sudden you think something's wrong with you for your entire adult life? So then I hit 20 and I'm like, okay, I don't need this concentration drug anymore. Yeah. But, man, now I just don't feel right for the next 30 years of my life, 40 years of my life. Yep. So I'm going to take anti-depressions. Yep. These are like Zoloft and Prozac for anybody listening. Mm. So then we move into the last category of age, 60 seniors, yep. um, which is interesting because if you were depressed your whole life, if you were not being able to concentrate your whole life, you would think that these drugs would continually roll down, but they're not. The next issue is actually more of a actual health issue more so than a, uh, a mental or psych, uh, I think it's psychotic type drugs. Those other two were, are those called psychotic type drugs? That doesn't sound right. I, I know what you're trying to say. I don't think that sounds right, Something but let, with, let's go with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so seniors are, are lipid lowering drugs, uh, like Lipitor or Crestor that, you know, Jared already mentioned. So still, it's kind of interesting to look at how age groups, um, what types of drugs were most common in that groups. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's wild to me is the the correlation, man. You know, clearly you start off with, you know, need an inhaler. So clearly you're not going to be eating right. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden you likely have a bad diet because, you know, the child obesity that we t- kind of touched on. Real, real quick, just because I don't understand. Why wouldn't you be eating right? Well, because I can, I'm just correlating the child obesity uh-huh. to lack of, you know, obviously a poor diet, poor exercise. Is, is a, a childhood obesity mean asthma? Well, I can just assume if you're asthmatic, uh-huh. right, then you're not going to be doing a lot of exercise. Oh, wow. So then oh, I'm just kind of, I, I, th- I wonder if there's, I wonder if there's some sort of correlation oh. there. I, I think we might be going a little Deep too off, yeah. too off the beaten path there. But, but I like where you're kind of going. I, I see a little bit of correlation there. I bet there's a study somewhere out there. Some looked at the kind of example of a child like that. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Like, hey, I can't really participate in youth sports because I'm asthmatic. Mm-hmm. Great. Unfortunately, because I really wanted to. I now I'm going to eat a little bit to fill that gap. And now I can't really do any exercise and all of this, you know, pent up energy. Mm. Boom. Now I eat ADHD. Yep. And then, hey, I really missed out on childhood. Man, this sucks. My life, my life, I wasted my childhood. Of course, guys, everybody listening, we are making this, you know, kind of storyline up because we're just kind of talking through this. But But it's it's not exactly a far-fetched story, is it? It's rational. It's actually a rational, like, conversation. Of course, you would need to do it. But what's wild is, is what really hurts is that it's not too far of a story that it's like, you guys are dumb. I'm going to stop listening because this is not believable. No. That path is believable. It is. So are these drugs actually putting a Band-Aid on or are they attempting to cure you? Well, it's a Band-Aid, of course. Yeah, that's us. We know that. I, I know. I don't want to know that, though. Yeah, I know. Okay. I finished my first yep, beer, Jared. I'm finishing right now. Okay. So um, I think since you you got it, why don't you introduce um, a little bit about it and what it says here on the can? Yeah, man. So uh, I believe this is actually brewed out of Seattle, Washington. Yep. Uh, pretty unique little uh, little can. I, I don't know. He's um, what is that? It almost looks like a little hop. I guess. I think it's a hop. Yeah. A hop, just kind of blowing stardust. Stardust. Yeah. It, it's or so, actually space dust. I guess it would. Yep. Should have said space dust. Yeah. yeah kind of fun. Uh, kind of a weird trippy can. Honestly, I'm not yeah. the biggest fan of it. But as far as taste goes, I got to give this thumbs up all day long. Really. Uh, as, as you know, I, I'm an IPA guy. I have to say. Now, this is 8.2. 
So if the last third of this podcast sucks, I'm sorry. Um, Would you call it, what was the rating? 8.2%. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. shit. Yeah, okay. I know. Wow. I know. So that's Watch what I'm saying. If the, last, if the last third of this, that's why. Um, like I said, I, I like it. I think this is a solid. I think this is a 4.2 beer all day long. 4.2 out of 5. Okay. I am not, for our listeners, I think I've mentioned this, I'm not a huge IPA or Indian Pale Ale um, fan. This is actually not bad. It's drinkable. But I can tell that it's pretty high in alcohol. Yeah, it's just a heavier it's IPA. It's a heavier IPA. I'm going to give this a uh, a 3.0. Okay, that, that's respectable yeah. for an IPA yeah. for you. I mean, yeah. not being an IPA guy. Yeah. I say average. Like, I'll drink it. I don't have a problem. But I'm not going to buy it my way. Now, what I, I thought was kind of interesting, though, is here on the back of the can, uh, for anybody that, you know, any of our listeners out there in Washington or in the Seattle area, looks like Elysian Brewing Company. They operate five locations uh, in the city of Seattle. Uh, they have a couple brew pubs, it looks like, a tap room, and even a production brewery that you can probably visit and tour. So shout out to that. That is super cool. I always love when um, breweries are, you know, not, not only big enough to produce cans out here in Arizona, mm-hmm. but they also have... What five locations? That's a that's a pretty big deal. You know, I, I always like that because in my head, you know, whenever we support these local local brewers, yeah, I imagine them all starting in a garage. Oh, I know. Oh, every one of them did. They had to have, right? Yeah, yeah everyone. You know, did. so I, I just think that's so fun that you know. Look, can you imagine? Because likely some garage in Seattle mm-hmm. could could they have ever fathomed at that day brewing their first beer that be, two guys are going to be randomly talking about on a podcast in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, what are the odds? A thousand miles away from where they're making beer. Yeah. I think that's cool. It's cool. So I, I, I just love, love those little. But uh, yeah, man, so I, I think you were about to touch on a little bit of, uh, I don't know what you'd want to call it, but I think judging by your tone of voice and what you're trying to trying to get to, maybe the doctors aren't, aren't on the up and up right now. Yeah, so uh, let me talk through it and maybe just by talking about it, I can maybe either rationalize it better or make sense Let's of hear it. it. So, and, and feel free to poke holes in here. That's the goal of this podcast for. So what I was thinking is, I get it. Um, asking the general public to be able to be perfect from a health standpoint is complicated. We have, you know, bills, we have children, we have wives and husbands, we have school, whatever you're doing in your life, a lot of different pressures. Now, I like to remind everybody though, everyone has these pressures, right? No one has, you know, maybe some person has more or less, but we all have different types of pressures. And at any given point, unfortunately, the pressure sometimes can be, you know, horrible or, or, or better for some people. But I think it's a lot to ask to say everybody can always be in a great position from a health standpoint, even with all these things. So it's nice to have a doctor to be able to get kind of check you a little bit. Right? And that's what I think a doctor is supposed to do. Not only are you supposed to be kind of an expert on health, right, as an advisor almost, but also supposed to kind of check you. They're supposed to be that guy that's in your corner that you go visit or that woman that says, hey... Um, I think at least from my perspective, Hey, uh, no, blood pressure is a little higher. Um, you know, you were a big runner, you know, the last five years, you always told me you were, you know, doing marathons and things like that. Has it dropped off? Yeah, I actually has been busy, blah, blah, blah. I haven't done that for a while. Well, Hey, just so you know, this is the repercussions. If you decide to stop running, here are some other options. Maybe you don't want to do running anymore because it's high impact on your knees. Try a bike. What do you think about that? Is that feel too far fetched to ask our, our health experts to do something like that? No, I mean, don't you think so? So that? you almost, rather than just throwing drugs at it to maybe treat it, you almost want to ask or challenge the doctor with saying, "Hey, let's actually try to get to the root cause yeah. of this issue." Well, because none of these things are just like I should say most most of, most these, of things. these things. Yeah. yeah, most of these things are not like uh, you were born with it and you're going to have to die with it. Like these are things that are, are probably avoidable and also remedial. Remedial? Remedial as well. Yeah. You can fix them with some life-changing habits. So I, I feel like a doctor needs to kind of say, hey, this will solve it short term. We can prescribe it, but I really think you need to change your lifestyle. Hmm. I don't think that conversation occurs a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, is it one of those things where they almost don't have time because they're getting, I mean, heck, those doctors are they going don't. from from patient to patient to patient to patient. 20 minutes, 20 I mean, minutes, 20 minutes. So is are we almost already asking them? I mean, because I, I think you and I, we've talked, this hasn't really been a part of our podcast, but you know, we've, we've talked about um, decision making, right? Yeah. And how you can only reasonably make, I mean, it's something crazy small. It's like, 
Isn't it like four or five? It's less than 10 effective decisions a day. Yeah. So, so l- just for argument's sake, let, let's call it five. Yeah. Heck, I think before, before his second cup of coffee, I'm sure a doctor's already seen five patients. So, and he's telling with, people life altering things. So with that, I mean, is it almost too much to ask of a doctor? So I, I, I want to agree with you, but I'm also trying to end up with a lot of these implementations and, you know, no, Hey, if we're king it. for a day, yeah. um, I, I want to agree with you, but given the current state of, of the career, I don't know if that's actually practical because dude, yeah. let's say we do, wow, Jared Cody made a great point, And all of a sudden the CDC mandates that only doctors can see five patients a day. Cool. Do you know went crazy up? Well, cost, but I was actually going to say, you have the sniffles. Good luck getting an appointment with the doctor. You're going to see him in two months. Yeah. Right. So, that. so it's it's. I don't know if I like it in practice. I I want to love it. Yeah. It's too utopian. It's too perfect. Yeah. It would be great to go to your doctor and say, "Hey, man, um, I'm heading to the mountain on Saturday. Uh, I like to hike. Come with me." You know, this doctor actually does outdoor stuff and just joins. But that's too, like, utopian. Like, unfortunately, that's a great doctor. And that's maybe, one of those, like, if you have a personal doctor staff. Exactly. Yeah. And that's... and then that's, that, that's the 1% of the 1%. Yeah. 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 That's like a doctor that literally sees three people in their year. Correct. Yeah. So, the, for the, let's talk about maybe the average doctor. Yeah. Poke a hole in this. Average doctor... Um, that's seen probably what, maybe 20 to 50 would, patients a day. Would, let's go 20. I, th- I think 20 is reasonable because I know they're, I know those suckers go from appointment to appointment to appointment. I know. And so let's say there's eight hours in a day. Yeah. They're probably seeing, I'd say three, four, three an hour. Yeah. So that's 20 to 30. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we're, we're yeah. within rich. Yeah. So say 20 to 30 patients a day, average family doctor that's booked straight, you know, a, a, a very solid practice, not brand new. So. Somebody comes in, they're overweight, clearly um, they're having high cholesterol problems. Maybe they're also having um, a lot of panic attacks. So, you know, anxiety is an issue. So there's a couple of things that they can do to probably fix that at a root cause, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, but one of the things that helps a lot of people um, it, with anxiety is exercising, right? Because that gets out kind of any of your... Endorphins, exactly. all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah that's right. So exercising. So... Doctors don't prescribe that though. They probably mention it a lot of times. Yeah, of course. But do you think there's anything that a family doctor that's seen twenty to thirty people, anything that they can actually hold their patients accountable for those kind of things? Because I don't. Th- maybe that's the issue. No, because dude, the next day they're having to worry about another two, 20 patients. Yeah. But you you can't reasonably expect someone to follow up. Hey, Cody. Um, you know, I I mentioned that a hike and a salad would do you pretty good. Yeah. Did you do it? There, there's no way you could reasonably expect someone who sees in that because let's say you go to the doctor once a year for physical, right? Whatever the work week is times, you know, 20 a day. I mean, we're, we're talking, let's just for even numbers, let's call it a thousand people, I guess, whatever. Yeah. There's no way. I don't care how good of notes you take. I don't care how great your practice is. There, there's just, it, it's unrealistic, man. Well, also if there was a doctor doing that, they would be not a thousand patients a, a year. There would be ten thousand patients. Like everyone would really? want to see that. Well, everyone would want to see that doctor. Oh, that's interesting. You think that? I actually think the exact opposite. You oh. think people want them saying, "Oh, hey, Cody, you actually need to start going to the gym. You need to start exercising more. I'm not going to give you this drug. I think the drug that you need is some greens and a barbell." Oh, I was thinking that I like the reminder. I'm a big reminder guy. I love when people remind me. It makes me feel so like I love whoever reminds me things. So whenever I get a reminder from anybody, whether it's a personal friend, somebody from the office, somebody from work, and they remind me about something that I'm supposed to either do or something that I missed, I'm always eternally grateful for that. So it's weird. I, I, I'm very, very happy when someone reminds me, but maybe maybe the general public is not. I, they think it's almost like a nuisance. I, th- I think the data. Oh. I think the data is telling us. Yeah, it's true. Otherwise, yeah, maybe you're right. Well, again, so, I guess I'm going utopian, buddy. I don't know yeah. what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this little. Normally, little you're more utopian Co- than Cody I am. World is Cody World sounds great. I bet it never rains too. <laughs> um, so so I mean, so okay. we, we've we've kind of illustrated the problem. Yeah, we've we talked, we've tried to get to a solution, but on the doctor wh- side, what about you? What where where would you, you? It seems like you keep on going back to the personal responsibility, but let's not put it on the person yet. We'll talk about okay. personal I'm responsibility. Sure. What other solutions would you say could fix the issue with using these drugs unnecessarily? Because it seems like most of the, I think we're in agree, agreements that these drugs are being used unnecessarily for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. 
or maybe in place, or we should say in place of a better alternative that unfortunately is challenging. Maybe that's a better way to put it. You know, this hurts my very being because I, I really just don't like, regardless of whatever party's in power, I just don't like government intervention. So this this hurts me to say out loud because I, I thought I had a couple of good ideas, but all of a sudden as I continue to talk, I talk my way out of them, right? I almost think there just needs to, this is this is dumb. I don't even want to say it. No, but do it, do it. I got it. I almost think there needs to be a cap. You were only allowed to have two prescriptions at any given time. You because the, the the majority of people over fifty, um, what was it? it was something crazy like 45 percent had over five prescriptions. Yeah, like that. That's wild to me. So I almost think there needs to be a cap. And, and of course, once I make a cap, now the black market just skyrocketed. I know there's going to be loopholes. I get it. Right, and that's why I, I didn't even want to share this. I, I think this is this isn't a very practical idea. But what about like somebody that's like just growing extreme and out there? I, I hate I hate to do extremes, but what about like a cancer patient that's probably on like ten different drugs? Yeah, there'll be an asterisk to my law. Okay, yeah, asterisk of course. Um, it, it would almost need to be determined. Hey, was this guy or girl dealt a shitty hand, or did their poor life decisions result in this? Um. I can see why you're not wanting to share this idea. Yep. I'm probably even getting more and more popular as I continue to try to talk my way out of this one. So, <laughs> um, I, I don't think I have a good solution. I know I don't actually. I um, I'm not necessarily proud of the decision I just said, but it, you need to cap. You just can't continue throwing because, you know, whenever, heck, there's certain people that are taking downers because they're too damn hyper and they're now they're having to take uppers. You're literally just trying to create this uh, lab-created uh, equilibrium. Yeah. Come on Come on, that's ridiculous. This is funny, the up or down, just a little personal story to maybe kind of bring it back to us uh, for all of our listeners. So I remember back in college years, right? You would mm -hmm. go out and you'd go partying. Yep. And you'd be drinking, which is, uh, for anybody listening, alcohol is a downer. So you'd get maybe five, six drinks into the night, whether you're at a club, whether you're out with friends, whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I really am, um, you know, I feel like I'm ready to go to bed. Well, you get a vodka Red Bull. <laughs> I knew vodka Red Bull was coming. Yeah. So you get a vodka Red Bull. So for our listeners, anybody that's kind of saying, well, some people need these drugs. Literally, a vodka Red Bull should be the epitome of why we have a problem. It's an it's a upper and a downer in a drink. And for people that their body is telling them, hey, you need to repair. You need to go to sleep. You need nope. to repair. Nope. No. I'm going to force you to continually taking these toxic substances in so kind of weird right kind of doing full loop right of course everyone does these kind of things right stupid stuff yeah but just thinking about a vodka red bull back in the college days where hey you know what no i need one of those i can keep on going for a couple more hours yeah but i think most people would agree that a vodka red bull is a bad idea so you're almost saying like that's indicative of the overarching problem exactly yeah it's the fact that that's almost an accepted drink exactly yeah well, we accept it, right? And hopefully at a certain point in your life, you say, okay, I'm not doing pocket Red Bulls anymore. I'm going to grow up a little bit. And now- Not to some of our buddies. <laughs> but, but, but according yeah. to the information, yeah. you know, the data, people don't grow up. They're taking antidepressants and they're mixing it with other drugs as well. And so now you're doing still the same thing, uppers and downers, mm -hmm. to your point, which is kind of funny. Yeah. So like I said, I th there's a reason I didn't want to share that point because yeah. th this is one of the few- few stances. I, I really don't have a stance on I, I know there's a problem, but after all my research, after heck, you know, half of this conversation, I I can't come to a logical conclusion, man, because right now our health system, i.e. our doctors, can't support what you would need. Mm -mm. Our people just don't want to become, you know, a record player and, and the far of, you know, as far as uh, personal accountability, just going to the gym and eating right and exercising. Duh, right? But but as far as addressing the problem at hand, I, I don't know how to effectively come up with a solution here. I think we need more doctors. I think we need more doctors in the system. I think we need more people, health professionals. Because right now we're not getting so. Do you just care. so just create another incentive? You know, pay doctors more. That way, you actually get a, a an influx. Well, or right, right now, doctors are squeezed. That's why you know, if you call up your doctor right now. If you live in a major city, I'm sure there's some smaller cities out there that are outliers, but if you live in a major city and you have a family practitioner and you try to make an appointment, I guarantee it's a week plus out unless it's yep. a, a big deal. Correct. The reason so, why is that there is a shortage right now of doctors or family practitioners. Why is there a shortage? What, why does anything ever have a shortage? 
Well, there's not a, there's not a supply of it. I mean, obviously there, there's not a well. There is the demand. Yeah, it's to the barrier century. What do you want? You can't charge enough. Well, the barrier century. Yeah, that would be one of the reasons, right? So I don't want to become a doctor because I'm going to go into a huge amount of debt. I mean, dude, doctors. I, I believe it's like what probably half a million in debt. Yes, and God forbid you don't graduate because it's not exactly easy. Yeah, and then you also have a huge amount of liability on your hands. So right now there is a huge upfront cost to becoming a doctor. And the upside, I, I, this is crazy. The upside is not as good as it used to be. Well, also let's let's not be tone deaf here, and let's talk about how a lot of healthcare professionals have lost their jobs as of late. That's true, because of certain personal decisions they've made. Personal decisions that their employer is trying to make them do, and they are not willing to do them. True. We should right. do a whole l- podcast l- l- on that. Just let's just talk. It is the the COVID vaccination yeah. requirement. They've lost their job right. because of it. So that now creates thousands. more of a shortage exactly. of jobs. Or thousands of, thousands of, 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 you know, actually, demand. hold on. You know what's actually really interesting? Maybe maybe you read a different source. Maybe you've listened a little bit better. I keep hearing that it's just nurses that are losing their jobs. Well, I, I think don't, the vast majority are probably nurses. Okay, I understand, but the majority, but I have never heard once that a doctor has lost their job. Mm-hmm. Have you? I don't know. Because I, I keep hearing nurses. Well, I would imagine even administration staff, too. I've never heard them. I literally yeah. just hear nurses. Well, I'm guessing huh. it's probably like 9 out of 10 are nurses because of the, the majority of, I think, healthcare staff and hospitals right. are nurses. Right. Yeah. So, but still, again, that was that was just kind of a side note. I just wanted to, yeah. to have that question. But, but anyway, so going to the shortage com- com- conversation, it's because doctor uh, becoming a family practitioner is not actually as lucrative as a lot of people think it is. Well, yeah. I mean, so you may make a lot of money. Yeah. There's but considering that, uh, considering that you have to pay back, it's, let's call it a half a million dollars. Yeah. You pay back a bunch of debt. You also have a huge amount of cost to maintain a staff. You also have a huge amount of liability. So that means a lot of insurance coverage. Um, so it, it is weird. We're not arguing for doctors. I'm not a doctor. I'm not you know trying to say that that's a, a profession that doesn't make a lot of money by any means for our listeners. But um, there is not as much upside, I think, as a lot of individuals do. That's why not everyone's becoming a doctor. Um, yes, of course, it's hard, but even hard things, if they make enough money, you should be able to create enough demand for new jobs. What's it? What's the so I actually, I just looked it up, guys. Um, according to educationdata.org, the average medical school debt is $215,000. Wow. And that doesn't include a practice at all. No. So opening, opening no, an that, office. That is just medical school. Just medical school. That, wait, that doesn't include their bachelors as well. Either. No, no, no. That's just medical school. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, wow. so probably at another hundred grand for the bachelors now, uh-huh. and then that doesn't include any boarding costs, and that doesn't include all of their um, what, what is it called? No, not clinicals. their clinicals. Is it clinicals? Yeah, to where they're like kind of a doctor, yeah. but they clinicals. still need. Is it clinicals? Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're making nothing there. No, no, it's like like fifteen thousand dollars a year or something like that. Super low, and you're pretty much just working sixty. Uh, honestly, I don't think we're off by saying half million by no. the time you were actually Doctor Cody Willis. Yeah, and that, and then now all of a sudden I need to open my practice. I need to go rent a building. Oh well, that's cheap too. Oh yeah, I need to get yeah. three to four staff on board. I need to get facilities, actually. insurance. Oh yeah, because you are going to get sued. Huge liabilities. You're in a lot of debt, right? And you're probably about 10, 15 years out before you're actually upside debt, and you're still not making a huge amount of money. And uh, you're working your butt off too. Oh yeah. So, anyways, we're docking out there. I, I, I'm just kind of spitballing here. We need more doctors. So, so you think the How fix is make- in order to to your utopian state? If we increase the supply of doctors, therefore they can actually uh, give that second level of care. Yeah, personalized care. They can hold you a little more responsible. So almost cap, almost cap the amount of patients that you can have. Yeah, but here's the problem: you cap patients. You can't cap it. Anytime government intervention occurs in that way, did all of a sudden would we just stifle their their potential possibility earnings? Exactly. So you can't do it that way. Yeah, that sucks. Because now you're going to have you're going to increase shortage. Well, then you're obviously probably going to increase prescription drug. It's faster. Yeah, right? Well, I mean, now if you cap my patients, now I can only have 1,000 patients. Well, I used to have 5,000. Now I have to prescribe five more, five times more drugs because well be I'm going to get that money. Be more efficient. I need to because I'm going to be in a half million dollars of that. Well, I don't think they make any money on the drugs, prescriptions. You don't think the practice is? No. They don't make any money on the prescriptions. No, it's a, I think that's actually illegal. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I just assume that no. the prescription drug salesman... No. So uh, prescription, like the, the pharmaceutical reps, right? They, yeah. they do like um, provide, they can't provide incentives, direct incentives. It's, I think that's against the law. So they can provide like some like lunches and stuff like that. But you think it's just for a free lunch? Yeah, dude, it's, it, dude, it's very strict now. 
pharmaceutical. Man, works. I thought that was all cocktails and contracts. Like Mm-mm. it used to be. Wow. Yeah, okay. They changed a little bit over. I think 2010 ish, 2012 ish. Um, pharmaceutical reps oh. now are very, very uh, restricted on what they're able to provide to doctor offices. Cool. Like I can't even show up with you know like gift cards to steak dinner kind of thing. Anyways, um, still interesting though is, is let's increase the supply of demand uh, for uh, of doctors. How do we increase the supply? I don't know that answer yet. Jared's on a third. I'm still making my way through my second here. Increase the supply of doctors. Now I'm seeing a little bit less patients. Can I charge a little bit more money? That's my next issue because I need to charge more money for a higher level of service. Is that a possibility in the current market? Can a doctor say, hey, yes, your your normal fee to come see me is, say, $10. Can I now charge $15 to make up for the less patients, but you're going to get better results? So I'm getting a better service. Uh-huh. Potentially, I'm reallocating. So I'm, I'm talking from a, from a head of household, right? So I'm reallocating my money because now I'm not going to be spending my money in drugs, ideally, of course. I'm going to be spending my money in more preventive measures, right? Mm-hmm. Can you think you people do can that? make that connection? Because the drugs are expensive, I think, right? A prescription is probably what, 30? I, I depending no on your insurance. So yeah, no depending on your insurance. 30 bucks uh, man, a month. I wish, I wish we could have gave better data on that. I, I don't I think Because I know copays kick in. Yeah. I, I, I just don't take... Yeah. Don't take prescription drugs. So I think I think like a cheap drug, like a like a uh, what's it called if you have like an infection? Uh, those type of like drugs. a Z-pack? Yeah, like a, a penicillin or a moxicillin. Okay. Uh, what are those called? Those are antibacterial or what's the what's the right term for that? Whenever you get like a bacterial, infection. I know um, antibiotic. Oh God, that's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I, antibiotics. We, we had a little asterisk near this. Yeah. We knew the, the yeah. beers are strong. So antibiotics, those are, I think, the lowest. And I've had to go on those a couple of times with infections, right? Yeah, and course. so those are like 15 bucks. I think some of these other drugs. No, like, that's because you have good insurance as well. So mm, I don't know. I don't really have insurance for that kind of stuff. Okay. I pay straight up cash normally. They don't even take my insurance. So anyways, I think that's like the low end of the spectrum. I think most prescriptions that people are taking are probably like 30 to $40 a month. I think that's the general like. I can say that pretty confidently. Okay. So still, let's say I have an extra $50 in the, at the end of the month. If I'm on a prescription normally, I have an extra $50 that I can just straight up send to my doctor for better level of service. Is that enough money, you think, to cover reduction in, in patients? So I guess what we have to do is let's say, you know, in our in our world, let's just say they were seeing 20, uh-huh. right? So, and they were seeing, you know, what, four patients an hour? No, I guess no, three patients three, an hour yeah, is three. what it was. So now what I'm expecting you to do is I'm actually expecting this doctor to understand who I am, what I'm about, mm-hmm. right? Maybe give a non-prescription answer to me, non-prescription prescribed way to get me healthy, right? Yeah. So I'm assuming that's going to at least take it down to two people per hour, right? So we just lost a third of his patients per day. Mm-hmm. And then you're suggesting to go from $10 a visit to $15 a visit. I mean, I think. The math works. I think so too. But the only way to do that is to essentially say, hey guys, you need to, you you are able to now spend more time. How do you market that though? I don't know how you I, I, I'm thinking about the marketing person that would have to be in charge of this doctor's office. Hey, come see my doctor because he actually gives a damn. You know, he's not just going to provide you a drug. He's going to actually provide you who you are and honest, what you need. It sounds, how do you market that? It doesn't sound like it's going to sell. No. He's not going to give you the quick fix that you want. <laughs> He's hey, going to make you work for it. Do you, do you want the solution to take you six months or to take but, days? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, what about the uprise in, you know, specifically mothers, you know, with wanting natural childbirth and, you know, obviously natural remedies for their for their kids? Is there a market for people actually just wanting the non-drug answer? It's funny, actually. Uh, it's weird. You were, you were saying the whole home birth or like, you know, natural birth stuff. Homeopathic doctors are on the rise and these are doctors that don't do prescriptions now it's still one out of say 50 doctors yeah. that are like this you have to drive 30 miles to find one or whatever maybe but you're actually kind of onto something hmm. i wonder if that shift is, is there a market for that i wonder if the shift's already kind of occurring man i'd be actually curious to ask our maybe 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 a little outside our friend group maybe two or three removed from our friend group just to hear their opinion i don't know how you really start that conversation because very personal question whenever you start talking about health yeah Right, and as far as like health needs, health wants, um, but hey, man, I want to give you a quick shout out, and I guess you know I want to pat myself on the back as well on this one. 
Um, as far as the success of our podcast, you know, for, for many of our listeners that we've uh, been talking to, I know you and I, the whole reason why we want to start this is we feel that regardless of the news source that you're, that you're, uh, listening to reading, yeah. there's an incredible amount of bias. Yeah. And I feel like you and I, I think we have maybe towed that line a couple times with our opinions, but I feel like we try to keep this podcast very factual. Yeah. Um, and anyways, I've actually gotten approached and I know you've gotten approached. Um, by a few different people now, which is it, it's kind of a feel-good moment as far as they, they learn something um, and they kind of want us to actually go into deeper subjects that they've actually recommended to us. And of course, you know, we're going to be sharing those with our listeners here shortly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just want to say, you know, cheers to you, bud, as far as, uh, yeah, man. you know, cheers, I, I feel like we're, we're making a difference, trying to succeed here. You know, we've yeah. set out for a mission to actually give data, trying to have factual statements, keep our own biases out of this and, and actually try to better illustrate, better educate the the problems that, hey, guys, these are not quick fix solutions. I understand no. everyone wants to bitch and complain about the government and how they're stupid and, you know, we need term limits for everyone, all this. But guys, this is not no. easy stuff. There's no Zoloft for this solution. <laughs> you could say. All right, way to tell you that's back in. I like it. Way to tie it back in. <laughs> so talking about, I love it, Jared. No, really appreciate that, guys. And our listeners, you guys are helping us grow every single week. Oh, it's week, fun. Which is it's really fun. Cool. We love seeing the metrics. Yeah, it's really cool to see you guys grow. Um, and shout out actually to our Canadian listeners. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Share this one. This is a this fun is one. This is super cool. So our Canadian listeners, and then we'll get back on topic here. Um, for whatever reason, for the last three or four weeks, we have been hitting strides in Canada. So shout out out there in Canadian land. Um, we actually were ranked on the top philosophers of Canadian podcasts, which is pretty Number cool. eight, baby. Yeah, that is pretty neat. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like a top podcast by any means, but uh, we are growing. And the neat thing is, is not just local. You know, yeah, we are just officially like, international podcasters, just like, baby. <laughs> just like the uh, beer that we're drinking, not local anymore, right? Um, so going back to my, my yeah, uh, let, let's tie back in. Now. Yeah, That's yeah. Fun. So drugs and stuff. But so one thing that I was, I was trying to kind of maybe key into is maybe we need to do more bite-sized chunks of this issue. So this issue is, you know, we're talking about three major problems, opioids, pain reliever, painkillers. Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, lipid lowering uh, cholesterol type drugs. We're talking about antidepressants. So I was kind of wondering too, when I was doing this research, maybe we just need to focus on one of the three. Let's just really, really dive into one of them and just take a chunk out of that one. And then we'll work on the second one, work on the third one. Because clearly... We have an issue with three different categories. These are very different too. So um, the one that I am most frustrated with, to be honest, is actually the antidepressant. I, I don't know about you. Uh, the cholesterol one is very frustrating as well, according you know we, to our healthcare the podcast. Number one, yeah. But maybe the number one is a big one. Let's take a small chunk, and the antidepressants is actually the smallest out of the three. Just out of curiosity, can, can you? Going a little deeper for me, why does that piss you off? Uh, so I, I'm with you. I share the frustration, but my yeah. number one is the high cholesterol. Yeah. So um, my reasoning was is that the antidepressant is probably something that can be resolved probably easiest um, by alternative options. So um, unfortunately, the painkiller one, that one is up in the air for me. I think there could actually be people that have real pain, chronic pain. Now, unfortunately, there are a lot of people that think they have chronic pain, but they don't know what real pain is. So their pain tolerance is a lot different than other individuals. Mm-hmm. So that one's hard to control for. Um, and then the cholesterol one, that's a long-term change of life style. So that one's, I think, the most challenging to deal with. It's also the oldest age group, which you have the least amount of ability to change their mind. Agreed. So when I have the seniors that are the number one user, I think, 80 or 85% of all of that drug are used in the senior group. Mm-hmm. So that means I need to go to, what is it, 60? Is it 59 or 49? Where does the adult range end? 59. 59. Yep. So I need it's to go, 20 to 59. Yeah. So I need to go to 60-year-old plus individuals and tell them how to change their lifestyle. No, Good luck. No, no. I think you... No, you could change it prior to I would that. say, yeah, yeah. I think you need, it needs to address earlier, so therefore we don't affect them. I know, but... I it, get where you're going. Yeah. yeah I unfortunately, get it's a challenging Understood. conversation. Understood. I can probably can have a better conversation with a 20-year-old than a 60-plus-year-old. And so I'm thinking, okay, antidepressants, who's the biggest user of them? 20 to 50-year-olds. Yeah, 20 to 59. Okay. Uh, it's also not huge. It's it's ten percent, I think, or a little lower than ten percent of that group that are using that, and also more so, it's actually 
twice as likely to be a female than a male. Oh, I didn't come across that. Yes. Did not come across that. Interesting. Out of the um, the, uh, uh, antidepressant users, uh, you are twice more likely as a female to be using uh, antidepressant than a male. Which I also they don't have they don't have a reason why yet, of course. But I find that very interesting. We can talk about that another. Yeah, I'm sure that can yeah melt into a lot of different. Yeah. Things. So, anyways, um, so I'm thinking, okay, let's bite size this antidepressants. How do we solve that issue? What what is the root cause of people thinking or believing that they need to get on antidepressants? So one thing I was looking at, and, and right now, one in six Americans are on some type of psych- psychiatric, which is the word I was looking for earlier. Gotcha. Psychiatric type drug. Psychiatric altering, right? Yes. I believe it would be the, the uh, complete term. I don't know. It says psychiatric drug anyways. That okay. Was, so, um, and then the also interesting, that was an eight, or t- eight out of 10 of people that are taking a psychiatric drug are taking a long-term, which most of these drugs were not per- uh, uh, developed for long-term usage. Which is also very well, yeah, man. I mean, think about it. If if all of a sudden, let's say, I mean, dude, even you, I know you're probably one of the cheeriest freaking guys I've ever met in my life. But even you've had bad days, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, you take this little pill, and all of a sudden, it makes you happy, even happier. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's in a dependency right then and there, right? So I don't understand how how any logical person could have ever assumed that this was not going to be a long term solution. If it self-imposes you to be happier or less... Who the hell wouldn't take that? It sounds like a easy way to get fast results from something that takes hours normally. Yeah. Or, yeah, even longer. Yeah. So anyways, so these include antidepressants, anti-anxiety, and antipsychotics. Right? So vast majority of uh, psychiatric drugs are antidepressants. It's uh, So out of the one in six Americans, so what is that, 16%? So 16% of Americans right now are taking an antipsychotic or uh, antipsychiatric drug. Or a, psych- a psychiatric drug of some sort. Most of those, I think about 10% of them are antidepressants. A lot of percentages here, guys. I really apologize. So about 10% of that 16% are taking an antidepressant. And then we have anti-anxiety and then antipsychotic. Antipsychotic, I think, is legitimate people that need help. These are like um, people that are, are hearing things, seeing things, um, what what's what are those individuals? What, what's the uh, schizophrenia? Yeah, schizophrenia. Yeah. So those people have legitimate reasons to be on drugs like this. I get it. Like I'm not trying to solve people that have dealt a, a shitty hand, and we have to help them as much as possible. But individuals that may be turning to an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety pill long term, how do we help them? I think that's the bite-sized chunk we need to help. What do you think? Yeah, man. I want to comment on this. I really do. But, you know, I'm very fortunate to where I do not have PTSD, but given my military background, I unfortunately uh, know a lot of individuals that have suffered because of things that they've seen downrange. So I'm very... Cautious? Cautious. Let's go with cautious about antidepressants because there are certain people, certain troops that have truly laid their life on the line and seen some stuff. I, I don't like talking about this purely out of respect for them. And and I understand I don't know I know you're not talking about them. Yeah. But just because I'm look, man, mental mental health is is just as important. You know, one of the analogies I used to use with my guys, um my 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 flight, guys and girls, of course. You know, it's very common. Heck, I think you're, you know, in the same category. You know, we work out five, six times a week, right? Mm-hmm. We're working on our physical fitness, right? I think it's both when you do that. It can be, but it's predominantly physical fitness, I would say. I do there think there's mental health aspects of that, but I feel like all too often we almost neglect our mental health and it's almost looked down upon you. So I'm not saying turn to drugs, yeah. but I, I am saying that the root cause is a mental health issue. Um, and look, if we can limit the the suicides for, for veterans, what I think we're at 22 a day. Oh, wow. It, it's horrible. Yeah, there's a 22 push-up challenge um, that wow. you would do in order to bring awareness 22 because there's 22 veterans. veterans a day commit suicide. So that's why I'm I'm just going to... I don't disagree with what you're saying, but just yeah. given the people that I know and, and truly respect that yeah. do have those... The, that need, yeah, for lack of a better term, those antidepressants, that's why 
I understand where you're going with Cody, and, and it's just because of yeah. you, you. You probably didn't know that. I know that's not what you meant. No, I'm just trying to think of how much of the problem um, that I'm stating is actually like say combat veterans, right? Oh, like, probably a, a small percentage, but just yeah. given my background, and, yeah, I got and that, you. That's why I'm just abstaining. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have uh, let's say antidepressants being used, anti-anxiety. What about anti-anxiety? What what is? Do you even? I don't really I know, don't know what a is. common word is. So anti-anxiety is... So um, you just have a, like a panic attack, I guess? Yeah. Those are Xanax and Valium. I thought Xanax was an antidepressant. Uh-uh. Xanax is anti-anxiety. Prozac is the antidepressant. Prozac and Zoloft are the most commonly used. And then what was the anti-anxiety one? Xanax and Valium. Xanax. So these two drugs are for anti-anxiety. Xanax is like a Xanny bar. Or a, oh, yeah. That's like a, it's a, a common like club drug, right? Yes. Yes, club drugs. So anti-depressant or anti-anxiety drugs are actually very like street used, like they're used as like a, a recreational, like a high. Drug. Yeah, you get a high, right? No, it's it's a it's a bar. Is it a downer? Barditchewit, bar barzitzwit, whatever it may be. It it starts with a B. That's the actual chemical name. It's a downer, um, and it makes sense, right? When you're really anxious, you need you to need to calm down. Exactly. So it slows down. This is actually crazy. This is probably the drug that gets most used. And those, um, like celebrity deaths. So whenever a celebrity dies, like Michael Jackson or Prince or, or that girl down in, uh, really famous singer. Anyways, um, they're all on these type of drugs. I don't know. That. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Cause it, what oh. it does is it brings you down, slows down brain function, slows down heart rate. So oh. if you combine it with alcohol, oh. which also does intensifies that, the effect, all of a sudden now you're down at about 20 beats per minute and you're real close to death. Yeah, you're not a marathon runner. No. So anyways, um, anti-anxiety drugs too, which is, is an interesting, so not antidepressant, but anti-anxiety, I'm thinking, hmm. I wonder if that's the bite-sized chunk that we need to help out. What, what's an alternative? That's what I'm trying to get to, even with the antidepressant. What's an alternative that might be better than these prescriptions? Man, I would say normalize getting your mental health right. Yeah, so let's talk Either. about maybe mental health. What, what's a good alter, uh, way to do that? So, I was thinking, honestly, working out. So I think I think working out, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely, man. Oh, okay, okay, absolutely. Good. Good. But I just think that I would go honestly 70-30 physical to mental. What, what percentage would you would you uh, give? You go into the gym. Mm-hmm. Give me a percentage, physical to mental. So it's weird. I don't have you know. I, I I'm a pretty like like Jared said. I'm a pretty happy person. Agreed. Um. So when I go to the gym, but I I also attribute that to going to the gym. Oh yeah, what came first, chicken or the egg? Exactly. Mm. So I think if I don't yeah. go to the gym, like, and I'm pretty religious about it too. Yeah, um, I get pissy too if yeah. I don't get to go to the gym. If I'm traveling for work and I don't yeah. get to go, so I'm thinking that it might be. Uh, I go to the gym for probably both. You would say fifty fifty. Yeah. So here's a couple things that I think people should think about. Um, they need to, if they are, they need to talk better. I, I yeah. Think we, I think we have an issue in America of talking about problems. Yeah. Whether it's with, and by not you mean not talking about problems. Y- yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, to significant others. So if you have somebody significant in your life, right? Okay. You should talk to them. Agreed. That would be immensely better for most people, right? We, me and my wife have conversations, and sometimes they're fantastic. Sometimes they're not great. But who does whatever. Yeah. That's good. If you don't have somebody like that, which not everybody can do that, Agreed. not everybody has that. I'm very fortunate. Who else do you have to lean on? Right. You have your parents. Yep. Close I friends. Think, I think, unfortunately, most people aren't that close with their parents. So now you need to lean on uh, close friends. If you're religious, your pastor or, or folks. Just your faith. Yeah. Exactly. Faith in general. That's a big deal, right? Those people want to help you too. And then, um, you know, a third category or a fifth category, I guess you could say, is a counselor. I, I, I'm, I'm a proponent of it. I've never done it, you, but I think it makes sense. You know, honestly, as my, again, I'm very fortunate with either, you know, family, uh, obviously my spouse, close friends, um, my faith. Yeah. Mental health is, is obviously a, is a component of working out for me as well. Um, maybe not as big for you, but I, I'm very fortunate to where I haven't had to rely so much on a counselor. But what I'm, what I, I guess the, the overarching theme that I'm trying to say is we need to normalize that, hey, man, those going to the gym sessions, that is, that is for mental health. Talking yeah. to your spouse, not just flipping through Netflix, but actually having a thought-provoking conversation that sounds like you and Anna and, of course, you know, me and Brittany have that about challenging. It's not just, hey, the weather is good and great. Yeah. It, it's it's deeper. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's funny. You said the Netflix. And what if there was like a, like episodes? Man, I'm going down rabbit holes here. I know but, you are. I love it, though. But what if there was a... Let's see if our listeners do. I know, right? What if there was um like a TV show 
that was actually built on doing thought-provoking things, where it actually took a break. So it introduced a weird topic like what we're doing right now. Then all of a sudden, it would have 10 minutes of like an intermission almost in the middle of the episode. And all of a sudden, it says, hey, you and your significant other sit down. It poses down, a question. Bingo. Talk about this. We're going to talk about it a little bit more, but we want you to think about it before we keep on going. That could probably change mental health because, of course, people watch Netflix. And I don't think that's good for Man, I want to stop the podcast and just start, start a show. Is that not crazy? That'd be a great idea, huh? huh? Because right now... I you give a little background, pose a question, pause for seven to ten minutes. And it's forced pause. You can't fast forward. You can't do anything. Like, it's a forced pause for you and your significant other to actually have a real conversation. Because that conversation, I guarantee, does not happen. Let's say we pose this question. Hey, do we have an opioid? Do you know somebody with an opioid you know, problem? Oh, you know what? There's this girl at work that, yeah, you know what? I think she uses drugs. All of a sudden, you're like, what? I never heard this between my, me and my wife. Hmm. And I have a great conversation that you would never have had. And you're probably, from a mental uh, uh, stability standpoint, have, actually increasing uh, or having a better conversation, I guess, in well, general. Well, also, you're having a better relationship with your spouse because they're being heard. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. About, huh. huh. I don't hate that, man. I don't know how the heck we got to that conclusion. We talked about Netflix for a second. But honestly, I, I see the correlation. I mean, obviously, there's a... And people our age group... Maybe our entertainment industry industry needs to have a bit of a focus. Because I think our entertainment industry... A bit of a purpose. Because right now, I think they're contributing to a lot of the depression and anxiety. Oh, they're contributing a lot to the polarization of America. Even, yeah. They are the root cause of the polarization of America. I wonder if they could say, hey, maybe if there could be some... When's the last time you've seen a death count, regardless of new news source, when's the last time you've seen a death count on any news source of the pandemic? I bet you haven't seen it after November. Oh, yeah. They That's wrong. That. They only do case, case count now. Dude, I don't even see that on the news anymore. Oh, yeah. I don't see death count. I don't see case count. I don't see anything. Really? You haven't... I, I'll challenge you to show me a news clip since November 21st. Or I guess what? Probably January. When was the inauguration? January 20th? January. So you think they were trying to do like scare tactics. Look, I don't want to, I don't make accusations, yeah. but all I'm saying is there was a, a definite shift mm-hmm. after someone was elected. Good, bad, or different. Look, yeah. both parties make me sick for, yeah. for various reasons. I think we both agree. Oh my gosh. It's disgusting. Yeah. But what I am saying is the facts that there are certain mind tricks that are being played by on all different sources getting you to want to believe certain things that's that's a fact yeah i'd argue that's on blue in the face by individuals that state that they are non-biased i'm fine if you're going to state that you're biased but whenever you state that you're non-biased and then you try to cater to certain individuals that's where i'm starting to have a problem yeah right yeah well whenever whenever you turn a horrific thing like covid19 into a into a political weapon. Yeah. I have a problem with your ethics, actually. Okay, let's start yep. wrapping this thing up. We got two. So, man, two I, I think I think honestly, almost the root cause of this, or I guess you know, I, not necessarily the root cause, but I think you know, maybe uh, I believe you gave the idea of maybe making this bite size. Yeah. Not necessarily trying to tackle the whole dang thing because that's impossible. Yeah. What and do you think about focusing on the uh, antidepressant stuff? You, you, I know you have. Dude, I, I like it. I, I like it. I think we just need to do a better job of promoting mental health. Yeah. And therefore, as we make ourselves stronger, let's try to lean forward and make ourselves less dependent on outside substances that mess with our body chemical composition. Yeah. That cannot be good. And then we can get stronger in all facets of life. Because honestly, I think if you're strong mentally, then you're going to want to obviously marry that up with a strong physical presence. And you're going to be emotionally better. You're going to be emotionally better. You're going to be physically better. You're going to actually, it's going to lead to reduction in the Lipitor. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Because you're going to be a healthier individual overall. Yeah. So if you are if you are not taking antidepressants while you're twenty to sixty. Fifty nine, yeah. Or yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah whatever. You're probably not you're the reason you're doing that is probably you're physically fit, yeah. which means you're probably not gonna have high cholesterol. And then the third ki- painkillers. Painkillers are probably a lot of those are probably for people that are unfit to some extent too. Yeah. Or mentally have not went through a lot of physically hard things. Because painkillers allow you to m- escape almost. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, man, I think I I would almost, I I don't think you intentionally did this. I think you wanted to just do it a bite size, but I think by you doing the bite size is the foundation to where it actually has second and third order effects that are pretty powerful. It's like a self-imposed placebo effect. 
Self-imposed placebo effect. I'm going to fix all this stuff by what's the placebo? My mind is going to be the placebo. So you need to alter your mind is be a little bit more positive, a little bit more optimistic, saying, hey, I can. And then all of a sudden I'm working out, not going to have high cholesterol. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do that. Hey, I'm not going to be in pain because I'm going to work through it. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to do whatever it is. Wow. Yeah. If we can get past the physical and the, the pain elements, yeah, I think I think the mental one's a big one. I'm I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, man, that's actually pretty interesting. I, I like I like the mental piece because as you already alluded to, it is a bite size, but the second and third order effects of that bite size are pretty powerful, which is cool. I love it. Okay, let's close this thing up. Yeah, man. Everybody, thanks for listening today. Really appreciate it. This was our kind of I guess uh second from our last one, all about the pharmaceutical. Little, little I think the pharmaceutical one would focus on the companies. I think one was focused more on the more individual Yeah, the practices. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So really appreciate you guys listening today. Uh, can't wait to have you guys uh, join in, listen, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Also, keep sending in those subjects. It's oh, really fun that. to actually get to you know interact with our listeners on Instagram and other social media platforms. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, make sure to give us a follow at Six Pack Discussions. Um, we really enjoy going our, going our follower base. It's, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it is. See yeah. you guys. Bye. Bye. That's one thing I don't think. Um, so whenever I post that question, I had three different people that follow me said, I didn't even know you had a podcast. I didn't even know you had someone to follow. I was yeah. like, fuck. Now, granted, I haven't talked to these individuals in years. Yeah. So so uh, you did that. I was going to do it too this week because they wanted to do the same week. Oh, I'm, Instagram? Yeah. Well, I'll post on my personal. And say, yeah. Hey, guys, if you're not listening, give us a listen. Yeah. Um, here's what we talked about this week if you're interested yeah, oh, dude. Yeah, super. This, this is a good one. I like this one. I think there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, I do too, man. It's just. It seems like that's a, a leery conversation for you. No, it's just honestly, I just know.